0: For those of you who didn't know, Bruce's mom, Ellen, when she was uh, super active in the church and running around, we used to call her Electric Ellen. And she gets so full of the Holy Spirit, and she'd just be like, just oh, vibrating. And uh, you wanted to go and touch her when she, <laughs> the Holy Spirit was on her like that. And it just makes me think that, um, you know, when people graduate to the real life, to really full eternal life in heaven, we should just be so full of glory and celebration for them and joy. Because when you're in Christ, that is totally your graduation to all that you've been preparing for your whole life. Uh, We are just on like a jet plane, fly into our destination, don't get too comfortable on the plane, uh, keep your parachute on, don't reupholster or put up wallpaper or anything, because we're not here for a long time, relatively speaking. And um, the next place we're going to, uh, you wouldn't want to live on a plane if you're on your way to Hawaii and I'm sure that comparison pales in um, in uh, compared to what was awaiting us in Christ with him in the new heaven and the new earth. Um, TJ, can I get you to bring up uh, First Thessalonians chapter 1 in the NASB, please? So Lolo is still sick. You may have noticed Lorraine's away. Um, so we pray for Lorraine, and her little grandson had a, a, a rather serious inst- incident he's just a baby so we could pray for him and um ken is in the hospital he had his surgery he's got like 80 stitches in the one leg he's got another leg to go and he's got another aneurysm at the heart so he could use some prayer so glad to see donna and todd back after their colds and uh, sickness and uh yeah so we just have lots of lots of uh, people to keep in prayer next weekend you may have noticed uh, uh, one first Thessalonians chapter one yeah no problem thank you um we Gordon and I didn't get away much in the summer but we seem to be getting away in October so we we're up to Prince George for Thanksgiving and we had the conference and we were in Vernon and now uh, next weekend if you don't know Gordon's a full-time missionary still with Wycliffe Bible Translators so most of our support comes from Oregon where he's from or Ontario where I'm from So we need to make trips every now and then for him to share. And um, it used to be my mom would pay my way to Ontario, and now my mom's not here to do that. So we we have to communicate more with our friends in Ontario. But uh, it's Gord's mom's birthday next weekend, so this all worked out perfectly for us to go down. She's got dementia now. She didn't make it to our son Nathaniel's wedding. So we can go down, spend some time with her. And then the church, um, there's a lot of new people who have never met us, and um, it just gives us a chance to um, tell about the wonderful work he is doing creating and supporting the best literacy software in the world. If you didn't know that, they won, they've won now several prizes of one, one of $100,000 in a secular contest. USAID and World Vision, that's, they use the software. That guy helps, right? So that's my little plug uh, because he's a smart man. And, like, I, I said to somebody the other week, I said, you know, we were away last week, and Gord does sound, and he gets this all set up at the front, and that sound board now is quite complicated. And I said, look, I am not irreplaceable, but Gord really almost is, right? It's like, you don't need me around here, but you kind of need Gord. So, yeah, so we pre- I appreciate my wonderful husband and he's kind, I know, right? I probably yeah, I always say I wouldn't I wouldn't still be married if it wasn't Gord I was married too. I, I'm i sure nobody could put up with me. But there we go. So uh Amen. yeah. We'll talk after. <laughs> yeah, love YouTubers. So um yeah, so bless the Lord. God is God is god is so good and we, um so i'm it's ironic that i would be away we would be away on on a missionary thing when carol our, our missionary that we have adopted um, financially a small gift monthly and um, we want to just really connect with carol in her ministry and who knows if god won't send a team down there right from our church someday so that's that's the little thing i have in the in my heart and we'll see what god does so uh Bless the Lord! I sure will really. You will really enjoy Carol, and I'll hopefully it'll be recorded. <laughs> yeah. So um, there it is. So um, for those who are in the Wednesday morning online Bible study, they'll be going, "Oh, this is rather familiar." Um, but you know what? Like God, I just said, "Lord, um, what's on your heart?" And I mean, every, so many things on God's heart right now. Israel, obviously, is is on His heart. Um, there's so many things in the world. But in this letter, um, I'm just falling in love with the Apostle Paul. Who, you know, sort of at first glance he's not a warm fuzzy kind of guy, and he's, you know, pretty tick with his 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 theology is really good and he's strong. Um, man, he loves people, and I've just been so undone by how much he loves people. And uh, this church in Thessalonica, he. He came to on his second missionary journey, and it was when they were they were going around, the they're going around on the seacoast, and they were going to go into the province of Asia, not Asia as we know it, and the Holy Spirit blocked them in a dream and said, "No, you can't go there." And then he has the vision of the man from Macedonia. Macedonia is a province, and so Philippi is in Macedonia. So you know the story. Uh, I think it's Acts 17. They go to Philippi, and they start to preach, and they're going to synagogue still at that point, and they're, they found a place down by the river, and they meet Lydia, the seller of purple cloth, and they're, they're having a place to pray, and people are getting, people are believing and in coming into the kingdom in, in pretty powerful ways, and uh, the locals get really upset about this, and Paul and Silas are thrown into prison apropos story, right, for pressing through in praise. They're thrown into jail, and Paul doesn't pull the I am a Roman citizen card. And I'm guessing the Holy Spirit at that point said, zip it, Paul. I've got something for you to do in jail. And that's a kind of an unlikely circumstances. circumstance for Paul is to say, why would you go through that? Why would you suffer that? They were, it says they were severely flogged. They were put in stocks, and they're in prison. And you know what the rest of the story is. What were they doing during the night? Yeah, they're bloodied, they're beaten, they're, you know, like this, And they're singing to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that your gospel is going out in all the earth. Thank you that I've been considered worthy to be beaten and and suffer strokes for your kingdom. Thank you that all of these prisoners are going to hear and see the glory of God. Thank you that I can speak your goodness and I can speak your word. And I can speak kingdom into this place and we can dispel the darkness and boom, what happens? There's an earthquake. Don't you love the gospel? Right? I think sometimes I'm like, God, my expectation of what you might do when I encounter difficulty is like, me, you know, it's like this. I go, oh no, now there's something hard. Duh. My mom always used to say, smooth waters don't make good sailors. So that's the thing you want your mom to say to you, right? Thanks, Mom. Yeah, it's actually really true. You know you're getting old when you start quoting your mom, right? Yeah. So So here we are. So Paul's in this very difficult place and he's like totally in tune with the Holy Spirit. It's like when Agabus comes to him, the prophet says, he takes his belt and he puts it around Paul's arms and he says, this is what will happen, you know, in a prophetic voice. This is what will happen to the man who owns this belt. And Paul's like, I know that, but I'm supposed to go there. Like you got this right. You heard right. And prophetic voices often hear clearly, but they don't necessarily get the right interpretation. And that's why we need each other. Because we need the body to understand the fullness of what God is doing in the whole picture. So even when we kind of hear a piece, right? We need the whole body to put the piece in the puzzle because the whole body, it takes the whole body to understand the whole puzzle because we don't all hear everything. So I love the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul goes from you know, this rest of the story, The church is planted in Philippi, and then he goes around to Thessalonica, and he starts in a synagogue, and he preaches to the Jews, and he's only there, get this, three weeks. Read it in the book of Acts. He's there three weeks, then he goes to Berea, and the Bereans were the ones that says the Bereans were more honorable than the, the Philippians because they checked out what Paul said in the Old Testament in their scriptures. But when Paul started moving around, the, the, the Thessalonian Jews went, Stop those guys! They're after them again. And they had to run off and they ran away. They, they, you know, smuggled them away in the night. So Thessalonica had three weeks of the gospel! Three weeks! Three weeks! I've had people come to me and say, No, I don't know how to evangelize. I need another course good Lord, what do we need? They have three weeks. We need more of the Holy Ghost is what we need. We need more of the Holy Ghost. We need to just be connected to the Holy Ghost, as Paul what he was, he met Jesus face to face, and he said, I'm only going to do what you say. I'm only going to go where you want me to go because that's what I'm here on the earth for. And so here's this letter so that's my little background to Thessalonians. Maybe you'll never see it the same. I hope not. Because I'm, I'm so stunned, A, at how the Thessalonians are carrying on in the faith after three weeks of exposure to Paul. And we're going to find out why that was so powerful. And then I'm stunned at how absolutely laid down, lover attitude Paul has for these people. Because there's no perfect church, right? You know that saying, if I find the perfect church and then I join, it won't be perfect anymore anyway, so don't look for a perfect church, right? So Paul and Silvanus, or Silas, and Timothy, and they're probably writing from Corinth, uh, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace, God always point to Bruce when you say the word grace, right? Grace to you and peace. Here's the definition of a Christian for Paul. Here's the definition of church. They are in God the Father, and they are in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are in God the Father and you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, that makes you a church. That makes you a part of the church. It makes you a believer. You cannot be in Christ and not believe, and you cannot believe and not be in Christ. They're the same thing. So sometimes we have this whole discrepancy of, well, is that person born again or not? If they're in Christ, we should know it, right? Nobody's perfect, but it should show. It should show, and it should be coming. It should be Jesus that's coming out of them. So the church—that's the word ecclesia—the church. Here's, here's the, uh, Paul, Paul and company saying to you guys: You're in God, and you're in Christ. That's what defines you. And uh, grace and peace to you, understood from the Father, right from the Godhead. Paul says. We always give thanks to God for all of you. Now, if you studied with me before, you're going to see a few words in there that are going to grab your attention. Anybody? All. And how about giving thanks? How do they give thanks? Always. So all and always, sort of that all all root word, you know. And it says, and I wasn't here, I missed Sean's message on Thanksgiving, but I heard it was awesome, and to give thanks at all times and all things, right? And that's the same guy who was singing in prison. (laughs) It's the same guy who says, oh, I guess I'm supposed to go to jail and get ripped to shreds and beaten up for the kingdom. And says, okay, I'm all in. And he says, we who spread the gospel to you, who gave you the gospel, Always give thanks to God for all of you. And I love this because it's not some of you. It's not just like my favorite friends. It's not the people who make me laugh or, you know, jump for joy. I give thanks for all of all of you, all y'all. I give thanks for all of you. And Paul is like sold out. He's so committed to the church, and he's going to tell us why. He also says, making mention of you all in our prayers... And again, I was uh, so, <laughs> it's just interesting how you can be so familiar with words and then that the Holy Spirit can just like take a hold of them and wrap them around your face and go, oh, like, I didn't really think about that before. Sometimes people will say to me, you know, describe a situation and there's a prayer request in that situation. And I will say, I'll pray for you. Or you know, someone texts me or emails me, and I'm like, "Okay, I'll pray for you." And I want to say, I want to. I, I have learned to follow the example of Terry Joe in this, because Terry Joe, if you tell her something that needs prayer, she'll just say, "Almighty Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray for this situation, and we give it to you right now." And I'm like, "That's the way to do it, right? That is the way to do it." And I'm. I, I don't think I've ever met anyone who. Kind of applies that as well as Terry Joe. So kudos, Terry Joe. Seriously, it's a good example. Yeah, right. But we all do, and sometimes we say we will, but then poof, the next thing comes along in our busy days, right? And I don't know about you, but like my mind can just flit from one thing to another, and. I just forget a lot more things than I used to. So, like, people will tell me stuff at church, and I'll say, write it down or text me. Otherwise, it's like it's in outer space. It's gone. I don't remember things like I used to. I'm praying about that. But um, (laughs) it it is a great idea to uh, make mention of the people in our prayers. And he says they're always praying. And then the next part, verse 3, constantly look at the words this guy uses and he doesn't use them lightly keeping in mind your work of faith your labor of love and your perseverance of hope in our lord jesus christ a work of faith a labor of love and perseverance of hope in the lord jesus christ these people had known jesus three weeks or they'd heard the gospel three weeks, I don't know what the time gap is between then and when he's writing them, but they've, they don't have a New Testament, they're just starting, this is the earliest letter in the New Testament, by the way, this is the oldest letter in the New Testament, and they, they have the, you know, and and some of them were Jews, but it sounded like more of them were Gentiles, so they don't even necessarily have access to the Old Testament, and they have the Holy Spirit. And as we're going to see, they have the example of Paul. And they're going for it. And so James says, faith without works is? Yeah. It doesn't say faith without works is alive and healthy and acceptable. It says when you are born again by faith, through faith by grace, when you're born again, that God has prepared Ephesians God has prepared works ahead of time that you would walk in them those good works. So here's the Thessalonians they're walking in faith and it looks like it's it's looks like Jesus it looks like Jesus showing up wherever they go, right? Work of faith, labor of love, persevering in hope and it turns out he's going to tell us why they had to persevere. Persevering in hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. In the presence of our God and Father, we live in the presence of the Lord. Everything we do is in the presence of the Lord, and this is interesting. This is why I asked for us to look at it in the NASB because now he, you know, Paul has these these long run-on sentences. So we're still going with the same sentence, verse four: Knowing brothers and sisters, beloved by God, His choice of you. This is a guy you, would, you just would like to have, you know, as your next door neighbor. It, he's just, but the interesting thing about the way he's written this sentence, and it obviously made sense in Greek, but it makes less, less clear sense in English. And by the way, brothers and sisters, he says 28 times in his two letters to the Thessalonians, Brother, it's, it's brothers, it's eldefos, but it's brothers and sisters, it's the church, it's you guys. And he 28 times, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, my beloved brothers and sisters. And he just wants to see them go forward in the gospel, in the truth, and to run and to prevail, right, to finish the race. But the knowing... On first reading, like, who do you think the knowing is talking about? Who knows that they're beloved of God and chosen of God? We are, right? His choice of you, but actually, and I'll read it to you in NIV because they sort of front this because Paul is actually saying If we go all the way back to verse 2, we always give thanks for all of you, knowing that you are beloved of God and he has chosen you. So Paul is giving thanks to to God because he knows they are chosen of God. So when you can look around a church, no matter what, how mature or immature or what place, what schools of teaching people have sat under or not we can look at the church and say you are beloved of God and he chose you and I am always going to give thanks to God for you because you're the church you're part of the church I love this guy (laughs) and I am praying to emulate him and be like him because he, he just gets it. He just gets it on such a high level of who the church is. So here's these believers, Thessalonians, Timothy. NIV says, uh, For we know, brothers beloved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you. Here's the rest. So again, the, the thoughts... Um, we have to sort of dig for them a little more in the NASB, which is why I like, like to, to use it, because it makes you think, right? The, the, in some of the um, more readable translations that I recommend that you read for your devotions and for understandability, not for study, um, it, the hard work is done for you. But when you have to sort of look at it and figure things out, it actually makes us think about it. So Paul knows that the Thessalonians are beloved and chosen, and so that we know that too. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves as part of our true identity, child of God, right? Chosen by him, loved by him. And this is how he knows, verse 5, for, which is is a a causative word, "because, because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. I'll end it there. I know (laughs) that you are beloved and chosen of God because our gospel, I want you to think about this, uh, Paul will often say, my gospel. And you think, wow, Paul, like that's pretty arrogant, right? Your gospel? Paul says, no, I met the Lord Jesus. I was commissioned. He visited me, and he gave me a job, and I'm to deliver the gospel to the Gentiles And he got it from Jesus, and Jesus then, by the Holy Spirit, quickened all of that head knowledge he had, being a Pharisee, and made it real and relevant and alive. And he says, if anybody, even an angel of God, comes to you, and I quote this often, and speaks to you any other gospel than the one that Paul delivered, don't believe them. That's why he says, our gospel because as soon as it was spoken, there was, there was opposition to it. And it's the same today. People want to add to the gospel, take away from the gospel, dilute the gospel, eradicate the gospel. So Paul says, our gospel did not come to you in word, but how? In power, in the Holy Spirit, and in full conviction or, or full assurance, deep conviction. And I think this is where, you know, where God is sifting us all right now is to say, we can have words. All of us have words. And we have words of testimony and we have words of truth. And we have words that we love in the scripture. And Paul says, when we came, we didn't just bring words, we brought power. And the power was from the Holy Ghost. Woo-hoo. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in each of us who are born again. And we need to be filled and refilled with the spirit that what we say will be backed by the Holy Ghost. And the full conviction, I always like to say, initially when you meet people and talk to them about the gospel, they may not be convinced that you're right, but they should be convinced that you're convinced. Right? Like, they might think you're totally, uh -uh, that's okay. But if they're convinced, you're convinced, uh, convincing people will convince you. And sometimes in negative ways, people can be very wrong and very convincing. But when you know the truth, and you're being led by the Holy Spirit, which is completely different. If you're being led by the Holy Spirit, and you are convinced, you will convince others that what you've got and who you know is the way, the truth, and the life. So he says, Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. Just as you know, listen to this, Just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sakes. So again, Paul lays down his life for these people. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, he works he pays his own way. He, you know, he has, he has uh, Tim circumcised at one point, so we don't give offense, everything for anything for the gospel. There is nothing too much to ask of Paul for the kingdom of heaven. He's, he's dead to his, himself and his own agenda. He will lay it down for, to see people come into the kingdom. So he can actually say, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you. And we were, we were people who, who were homogenous. Quite a few months ago, the Lord gave me that word during the service, homogenous, the same, not different parts, and that we show up the same whether we're in church or whether we're in a restaurant or whether we're in a grocery store or whether we're in home, at our home with our kids or you know, our parents or whoever, um, that we show up the same that were homogenous, and Paul says, you know what kind of men we proved to be, and you also, you uh, Thessalonians, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Remember in um, 1 Corinthians, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. I just want to see if, just just try that on and see how it fits. (laughs) Just like, say that to yourself. Pretend you're saying it to your kid or your neighbor. Follow me, follow me as i follow christ it sounds really arrogant right it might not feel like it fits quite right but that's what paul could say follow me as i follow christ that he would be above reproach right but i think that's probably key to why the thessalonians are thriving because he was only there for such a short time but he said that to them this is what kingdom looks like, guys. Follow me as I follow Christ. And he wasn't perfect. He and Barnabas had a to-do about John Mark. You know, they had a, but God used it and they were submitted, right? He wasn't perfect. He wasn't, you know, the perfect guy, but he was completely laid down. His will was dead to Jesus's will in his life. So I just want you to Like, let that just mull around in your brain for a while. (laughs) Chew on that one. I follow me as I follow Christ. What would that look like if if we were super conscious of... And it's not to, to, you know, you don't want to embrace legalism or rules and stuff to make that happen. But it's like, I think for me, it just makes me super desperate for Jesus. (laughs) Because I'm like, I don't want anybody... You know, like, are we reproducing ourselves, right? We want jesus reproduced we want to model jesus but paul says you became imitators of us and of the lord having received the word during great affliction so they came to faith in a time of persecution but how did they come what's the rest of the sentence with the joy of the holy spirit so here's two things, you know, when we do this kind of study and we mark God the Father and we mark the Son and we mark the Holy Spirit, and I'm looking at my God list, the Father, whew, the Father's got this big list and the Son's got a pretty big list. God has most of the verbs, by the way, I just want to say, God gets most of the verbs. God gets the action. God decides. It's God's will. Jesus is the means. In, through, by. By christ god accomplishes purposes and then there's this holy spirit and the holy spirit had like three lines and i was like you know what i was pumped up about the most the holy spirit list it was like two or three lines and it's because it says this we did not preach by word alone but we preached with power who had the power through the holy spirit and you received the gospel how did you receive it with Joy through the Holy Spirit. So here's what I can tell you already about the current the Thessalonians without even meeting them and without making their list yet, which we will, is they are filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. And they are filled with power in the Holy Spirit. And that's why when we read the rest of the, the paragraph, you'll see what, what happened. Uh, so that you received the word in great affliction with the joy of the Holy, Holy Spirit, so that, which is going to answer the question, why? This is the answer to why. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. You received the word of the Lord through people who were walking in power and walking in joy, and you received it in joy, and you carried it, you imitated it, and you received it, and you expected that that's what it looked like because that's what you saw. First Christian I ever saw. That's what it looked like, the Apostle Paul. Sign me up, right? Sign me up. So how, it, it's just it's a, it's a personal challenge. I am sharing with you my personal challenge because it rocks my world when I sit down to a scripture that is I think is familiar to me, and God just goes, Ha, 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 ha. you know I'm sure he's not like ha, ha 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 but he's like let's have some fun with this right <laughs> you just thought you just knew that and you don't and more importantly uh what would it look like if you really lived it and I'm like okay you know hold my hand dad because uh huh? I ain't getting there myself and he goes I know that <laughs> right he's like toot, toot, toot. how many years has that taken So that you became an example, you Thessalonians, to all the believers, there's that word again, in Macedonia and Achaia, for the word of the Lord. When I mark gospel in my text, I make like a little, I make a circle with two lines going out like that, and I make a megaphone. The gospel should be sounded forth. The gospel dies to be proclaimed. The gospel loves to be gossiped out in the earth. And so it says... So I put a little megaphone in brackets. The word of the Lord, the gospel, has sounded forth from you. You couldn't contain it. It was too good to keep to yourself because you were transformed and you're full of the Holy Spirit and joy. And it sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place the news of your faith towards God has gone out. So that we have no need to say anything for they themselves report about us as to the kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to god from idols to serve a living and true god you know people don't imagine that we really have idols but of course we do sometimes it's ourselves we worship ourselves sometimes we're worshiping good things you know, that are good in the world. Sometimes we seem pretty on track, but if anything is in the place of number one in my life other than God and his kingdom, it's an idol. And so here the Macedonians and the Achaeans and the Thessalonians have turned, and their, their turning is so dramatic that the word of their faith has just gone out over the whole region and that they have turned from idols to serve a living and true God. And there was a place that had statues and, and little trinkets and idols, right? And then get this, verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven. And so on the Bible study, you know, I said, how many of us are waiting for the son from heaven? And they're, you know, it's kind of a long pause. That the people who are full of joy and Holy Spirit and are suffering for having become Christians and wanting to walk out that faith. And they're being persecuted. And their faith is just resonating throughout the whole province. Because they've turned from something. They've turned from sin. They've turned from an empty life. They've turned to something they've turned to the living and true god and they're waiting for something you know waiting for is like it's like waiting waiting for i'm not gonna say a bus because bus schedules are really flaky i find in my life but trains often like i've been been to switzerland and um use that train system i came from africa once and I was going to a conference in Switzerland. I had little, little guy, Nathaniel, with me. And I had a friend who was Swiss who worked with our air mission in Cameroon. And we were staying at her place. So I said, coming from a mud hut in just south of the Sahara, where we didn't really use watches or clocks, I said, um, yeah, I'll be there around noon. <laughs> and that was before texts and cell phones. And she called me, and she says, So! This is Switzerland. We make watches. We have a 12 o'clock. We have a 1202, a 1204, a 1207. Which train are you on? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, culture shock. I've just come from a mud hut, and now I'm in Switzerland where they make watches. And you can't just say, I'm coming around noon. And my Swiss friend, like, blew a gasket because I'm like, I'm going to be there around noon. Don't waste my time. I'm like, you know, in Africa, you're not late if you're an hour late. So uh, a little switch up there. Swiss trains, you don't wait very long. That's what Jesus waiting is like. If you're waiting for the sun from heaven, we don't know when that's going to happen, but we know it will. That train is coming into the station, and we want to be there, and we want to be ready. You know, Somebody in the group said, well, it's hard to focus on that because the time is indeterminate. We don't know when it's going to be. Jesus said, if you knew when the thief was going to come and break into your house, you'd be ready. We don't know when that day or hour is. It's going to come when we don't expect it. But the key was what to that parable? Be ready. So I always tell people, that's, that is my eschatology. That is my end-time theology. It's two words, be ready. So immediately someone's asking me, is this the rapture? I said, you know what? The New Testament church did not talk about a rapture. They talked about the second coming of Christ. That's it. The second coming of Christ. And that's actually what First and Second Thessalonians is about. It's because somebody had come to them, the baby Christians, and said, he already came, you missed it. And they're like, what? <laughs> that's a lunch bag letdown. Come on. Like, I was expecting more than that. He came and I missed it? And so Paul's writing and saying, Yeah, no, uh, even if they say the letters from me, that's not me. When he comes, the earth will know it, right? The skies will split. The mountains will be brought low. The valleys will be raised up. There will be no no doubt. So what is it? What changed from the first century till now? If If you, like me, can say, I don't necessarily feel every day that, that I'm waiting for his son from heaven. Any ideas? What changed? Boom. That's a big one right there. Because these guys are suffering persecution. So they're like, Jesus, Jesus, we've heard about you. You're really awesome. And you're coming back. When might that be? Today? You know? Anything else? Comfort will do it. When you're sick and in pain, you, you think about that day. A lot more. Lack of belief, yeah, or incorrect belief. Uh, I think honestly, I think we have a poor theology of heaven. I don't know. Quite a while ago, Gord uh, preached a sermon here about heaven, and it's because we'd both read uh, Randy Alcorn's book on heaven, which generated much discussion at our house because a lot of what we believe in Christendom is tradition and not very grounded in the scriptures and then when you actually look at the scriptures it it reconfigures what your belief about heaven is and i would say that course correction to true belief about what heaven what we know of heaven because we don't know a whole lot but that was one of the things jesus came from heaven he says i've come from there and i've come to show you what heaven is like and what the father's like and so that we can have all of you little people with Christ in you and the Holy Spirit in you bringing a little taste of heaven, taste and see, right? A little taste of heaven to the earth that's not uh, fully on board yet Till we have the new heaven and the new earth. And so I think, I think um, that's part of, the, part of the thing is we're comfortable. Um, a lot of our black gospel songs from the slaves in the southern United States that were working cotton fields and being beaten and killed and raped and abused. And what do they sing about? Gonna put on my shoes and walk all over God's heaven. Heaven, heaven. I'm looking for heaven because it ain't here. It's not where I am. It's not where I'm working all the time in the hot sun getting thrashed. So people who are in the earth now who are suffering persecution for their faith you can guarantee that's one of the descriptions that fits them they have a working faith they are laboring in love they're persevering in hope they're filled with power in the holy ghost the sound of the gospel is going forth from them and they're waiting for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, he God the Father raised Christ from the dead. That is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. It's interesting there. God raised Jesus from the pa from the dead, past tense. Jesus who rescues us, present tense, from the wrath to come, future tense. Whose wrath? It's God's wrath. So Romans one, as those who were studying Romans. Uh, Romans tells us the wrath of God is presently being poured out on those who disobey. And you can see that in the earth. God gave them over to their sin. Three times it says, and he gave them over to a reprobate mind, or he gave them over to whatever He's um, Paul is talking about in that instance. What word does Paul use to describe how the Thessalonians um, impacted or acted towards their area verse 7 I'll give you a little hint sorry you don't have the whole text in front of you like I do (laughs) Examples. examples okay they were examples so um there's, we have imitators. You became imitators of us who brought the gospel and of the Lord, and then you guys became examples for someone else to imitate. When I looked up this word in Greek, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm a word nerd, so maybe you won't get as excited about this as I did, but <laughs> I'm going to try it. Um, okay, look, I'll spell it for you. T-Y-P-O-S. Okay, so it kind of looks like, sounds like the word typo, right? It's it's the root of our word type. Have you heard of a type of Christ? Like in the Old Testament, there are types of Christ. Can anybody think of an example of something that is a type of Christ in the Old Testament that shows what the Messiah will be like? Moses, a deliverer. Abraham friend of God, and, and, and leader. David, king of the people of God. Noah, prophet, and, and redeemer to um, to an ungodly race, right? There's so many. Aaron, high priest. High priest that's coming. King, high priest. All of these things. The lamb. The lamb, the sacrificial lamb. So there's all these types and examples of what the Messiah would look like, what Jesus was coming to bring that foreshadowed who he was and what he was going to do. But guess who the example is now? You Thessalonians became a a type. You became a model. You became an example. You became a type of Christ to everyone around you so I'm like what I've never thought of that before I thought all the types of Christ were in the Old Testament and I'm like I'm a type of Christ oh my goodness it's a crazy idea I has these crazy ideas of trusting fallible people with eternal you know promises and responsibility There are so many parables in the New Testament. Jesus talks about there's a king, and he comes, and he gives his servant so many talents and stuff, and then he goes away, and he waits to see what they do with it. There's tons of parables like that, an uncomfortable number, actually. And he is saying, you are a type. You're a type of Christ. But you don't have to figure it out and do it yourself on your own because you died. It's no longer I who live; I was crucified with Christ. It's Christ who lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith. So then I believe. Like uh, literally, I'll just be transparent because I'm usually quite transparent. Uh, when I go to prepare a message, I'm like, God, what do I say? What do I say? And and, and inevitably, He just goes, "What is like? What is affecting you the most in your life right now?" Because if you can remember that. That is the thing. That is the basket of fish that I did something in your life and I multiplied fish and I did a miracle and I changed something in your heart and then you took a basket home and then you feed someone out of that basket. So like literally every time I go to speak, I'm like, I, I have to g- I have to die. Right, Bruce? You just, like, you just have to die and lie it down and say, I have no idea how this is going to come out. I have no idea. And then like, and then when I, when I get to that place where I just go, my job is to have faith. My job is to have faith because I have nothing of value to say to people that's going to impact their life or heart, even their moment, much less their life, right? But God, you do. So then by faith to say whatever I do to do it all for the glory of God. And you are all types of Christ. And all we have to do is say, yeah, Jesus could, do, Jesus could be a really good type of Christ, right? I don't know anybody else who could. Jesus could do that. He could be a type of Christ. And so it's just us yielding to Christ in us to say, Jesus, be a type of Christ and model the kingdom to everybody around me, because that would be glorious, right? Amen. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Father. So Lord, I just I just thank you for your your incredible plan because we don't tend to entrust major things like we don't let three year olds drive a car and we don't entrust major things to people who are not uh, proven and uh, eligible for that role and yet we are made eligible and qualified. Scripture Paul says you are qualified to participate in the family and be a saint by the blood of Christ and by your faith in everything that he's done and given to us. So God, I I thank you that you have these crazy, wild ideas that uh, we would never think of, and that you entrust us with this precious pearl of the gospel, Lord, that the man who went and found a pearl and sold everything he had to get that, or the guy who found the treasure in the field, and you said yep uh you guys are capable stewards more than that you're my kids more than that you're examples to the world because you house your temples of my son and so lord we we just i just marvel at that just marvel at that that honor that privilege of even being to carry a smidge of the glory of god and so I, I pray for myself and for all of my brothers and sisters here, whom I dearly love in you, that we would walk in fullness, that we would know the power of the Holy Spirit and the joy of the Lord that is our strength, and that we would be strong. Lord, we're not, we're not great in number, but we're not looking, as Bruce likes to say, for bums in seats. Lord, we're looking to build people to make, that you would make us strong in you, and that we would be types and examples that we could say, follow me as I follow you, God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.